Before we start the show, just a word from our sponsor, Undeniable Press. For all your screen printing needs, located in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. If you ever need any t-shirts or any other little promo accessories, posters, or whatnot printed up for you, go to Undeniable Press. They're located, once again, in the Corktown District of Detroit, Michigan. And you can uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniablepressdetroit. And those same guys who do Undeniable Press also have a clothing line called 20 by 20 Apparel. It's very much wrestling themed. All sorts of nostalgic themes in regards to the history of wrestling. And you can go check out their clothing line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. Now let's start the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bummy, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yelling what it goes. You see me shining like a suit on puffy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check, but either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh, we fresh. Fresh, 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 fresh. 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 God damn it, we fresh. Welcome to a super special bonus episode of Fresh is the Word. This is the Warp Tour episode. I went to the Warp Tour recently when it stopped here in Auburn Hills, Michigan at the Palace. And I talked to a bunch of great artists. So I'm, what I'm doing with this episode, I'm collecting most of the interviews that I did and just putting them all in one episode. There's a couple of them that I'm going to save for their own standalone episodes. But for the most part, we're going to go ahead and just give you all the content that I uh, recorded during that day I had a blast like there's something very just comforting and very inclusive about the the warp tour you feel like you're at home there doesn't matter you know doesn't matter what your beliefs are what sort of niche of the music scene you come from whether what sort of niche in life you come to like I had a blast all the kids were having fun so much good music it was just an awesome vibe. This year, it wasn't a million degrees. It was still hot outside, but it wasn't like a million degrees like it was last uh, last year. So I had just a blast, and I had a blast talking with everybody. Um, so that's that's just through a breakdown of, of uh, who's going to be on the episode. Stacy D from Bad Cop, Bad Cop. Then we have Scott Lewis from Carnifex. Then we're going to Chad Ginsburg and Jess Margera from CKY. And then we talked talk to Pustulus Maximus from Guar. And then we talked to Frank Novacek from Hatebreed. And then on to Ansley Newman and Jake Rowland from Jewel Vera. And then we talked to Tony Foresta from Municipal Waste. And then we end this episode with Kevin and Tom from the Acacia Strain. But before we get into the episode, uh, let me just remind you how you can support the podcast. You can always go to freshthepodcast.com and just 
you know share any links that you see on the website on any of your socials that would be great there's also a link at the top that says support the podcast with a paypal link that you can donate to there's also a amazon link on that um, page if you want to if you ever make any purchases on amazon just use that link and they'll shoot a little commission our way it doesn't change anything on your end it just helps out the podcast a bit you can also um, follow Fresh is the Word on Twitter and Instagram at Fresh is the Word 1. That's Fresh is the Word, then the number 1. And then on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast. And then you can also subscribe or follow Fresh is the Word on all sorts of platforms like iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, Google, Google Play, and TuneIn. Just go to any of those platforms and type in Fresh is the Word and it'll come up. Hit the subscribe button, the follow button, whatever whatever it says on there. And feel free to leave any comments, uh, five-star ratings, whatever. That will definitely help out the show. So let's get started with the special Warp Tour edition of Fresh of the Word with my interview with Stacy D from the band Bad Cop, Bad Cop. My name's Stacy D. I play guitar and sing uh, in Bad Cop, Bad Cop. I write songs. Cool, cool. Yeah, I think I, I caught the, like, the tail end of your uh, set earlier. Cool. I was kind of walking around. Sure. Super fun. Thanks. Yeah, um, how's, uh, how's Warp Tour been for you guys? It's been awesome, man. Like, it, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know, like, how hard it is. Uh, we kind of do all of our own stuff. Like, we've got some crew, but we load out, we load in. <laughs> like, we, um, we're hard workers. DIY also. DIY. <laughs> well, I don't know how to, else to do it. Like, I plug all my shit in on stage. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I, right. There's no, like, coming out music. It's like, you know what I mean? Right, like, right. <laughs> and You're not music. on that level yet. I'm just really. like, let's, what? You here? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, how's, you know, how's sort of been the communal sort of, you know, Sort of relationship between all the other bands. Dude, we, I, I didn't. There were some people I knew already coming into this. Like yeah. I knew some guys in uh, Municipal Waste. I knew Lou uh, from Sick of It All. There's some people that I knew. Some some of the guys, Steve Soto from Adolescence. Um, so I, I was stoked that I was going to get to spend some time with those guys, anyways. But then everybody on our, on our stage is just such great friends there's like not one butthole of the bunch there's not one <laughs> shitty band like we're all fucking cool like I, I mean I hope to know all of these people for the rest of my life like come stay at my home that kind of stuff you know what Wait, I mean it's like, it's like summer camp dude it, yeah. it is but like you find like all of the punk rockers have just <laughs> just bonded you know what I mean like we when there's like events and barbecues we look for we are always together like if we're hanging out of the back of the trailer or whatever it's like we're we just always find each other there was a kiss night all of the rockers were like we were the only ones up on the dance floors like all of us is rad so the camaraderie is has just been magnificent. Like I didn't I didn't know that it would be like this. I never went to camp as a kid, so. <laughs> right, I feel like um, your band was one of those bands that like when people are like, okay, who do you go see? You know, who are the recommendations? Who's some a band that I might not, you know, know that I right. should go check out? And a lot of times I was I was seeing seeing your band. You know, how how how's the energy been at, the, at your stage? It's. Um, it's been amazing. Like we've been playing to a lot of new people that have stayed. Kevin has done a really cool thing where he's uh, usually the Hard Rock stage and the Skull Candy stage would be right next to each other, and we'd switch off times, you know. Yeah. Um, but he's been putting us with one of the main stages and then with one of the, the Journey stages. So their fans of like Attila played right before us today. Yeah. So 
maybe 10 people spilled over and watched us. You know what I mean? We had a really great crowd today, but like not an Attila crowd. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but Kevin's rad for doing that. So some of these kids could be like, oh, I do like this band. What is this? You know what I mean? Right. And come check it out. So I really applaud that. Yeah, I was just talking with that, about that with Layla. Was like, yeah. she, that, like they were placed like in that sort of people are walking by sort of thing. But you don't know how much that's going to affect somebody. Like, yeah, yeah. I know my attention span, and when I'm walking past something, I'll be like, that's rad, and sit and maybe watch for two minutes, right. and that's then walk I off. Today and right. I was just like, because I was busy doing a bunch of things, and I was just like, I have huh. no time, and I walked by, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? Right? Like, huh, what is this? Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, this is great. You know, this is awesome. I mean, the feedback's been killer. Again, we're kind of like, you know, we're not as big as some of the bands on this tour, so it's been growing. Like, I don't know if there's like Warped Tour message boards or something, <laughs> but like uh, the attendance has been bigger and bigger, it seem, seems, at every show. So I'm I'm pretty excited about it all. Have you been on a tour like this before? Never like this. We've toured for two months at a time, but like <laughs> being out here and doing it for two months is like, who am I? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's not that bad. But um, now that we're in the swing of it and we know when we can have personal time, and like I take naps and if I could get... I mean, there's nobody that's half-stepping in my band, you know what I mean? Like, everybody works hard, but if there's a time where you're like, okay, I could go lay down for an hour, I'm going to take it, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sleep and rest. Or sometimes, like, they've got a, they'll, they'll, like, attach, they won't attach, but we'll be at a, a venue that's attached to, like, a theme park or a water park, so we get free entry into that with our badges. Yeah. One day we spent seven hours after a real shitty morning, like, it was pouring on us, and I was up to flood water, like, up to my knees, like my Doc Martens, I, I, <laughs> everything was just so sad, and Jenny was crying, and <laughs> I was like, mm, I don't want to do this, I was like, yeah, let's go, so uh, after that happened, and we got out of the flood, that we got to go spend seven hours at the theme park, and rode roller coasters with like, Municipal Waste and Valiant Thor, like, <laughs> we felt like the coolest chicks ever, you know, like, oh my god. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, where are you from? Uh, I'm, uh, we're from Los Angeles. I mean, I'm from San Francisco. I live yeah. in Los Angeles, yeah. How, you know, uh, how long has the band been a band? Seven years, going on seven years. Oh, seven but years. we um, didn't go for it, you know what I mean? We were a band that was, like, constantly getting better all the time. But um, two years ago, we made a decision to go for it. And since we did and been on the same page and, like, nothing's really, like, drugs and alcohol aren't really fucking with us and partying isn't the thing we do right. so it's just been it's just taken off um what sort of led to that you know two years ago being like all right let's go let's do this you know? i got sober okay fat record i had a really uh huge bottoming out at the fat rec 25 year anniversary tour you know punk rock yeah yeah okay part, i'm not like Big super punk, yeah. deep in it but there's stuff i remember there's like i i, I know the, this, the yeah fat records is great that's fat mike from no effects label and he is a great friend and man and business owner and I couldn't say enough good stuff about it but uh, I, I had a bottoming out on that tour I was partying super duper 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 hard and I was also had a really gnarly drug addiction uh, with Xanax from my doctor yeah. and it was gnarly like that so gnarly. and I was sad I was so sad and depressed and said I had anxiety and I cried all the time and I was just sad person so when I got and I was put in detox by myself and had some really crazy nights alone in there, I was like literally on my fucking knees banging, begging for mercy from like everything I'd ever done, anything that had ever been done to me. Right. Every uh, time I opened my mouth even to say something bad about somebody, 
was there going like why would you do that you don't this is the way to live life and be a good person it was like being slapped but also struck by lightning because I feel like I got so many great life lessons like by myself I, I mean I had people around me to help me but <laughs> the work I had to do you know yeah it's, it's when it comes to that stuff, you know, you can have people around and support you, but it's still a one-person job. Dude. really get through it. So gnarly. And it's not like I ever wanted to do drugs again. And it's, I smoke weed and I don't drink. I don't do anything anymore, but, um, except for weed. But um, uh, coming back was like the scariest thing I'd ever been through in my life. Like, I felt like I was on an acid trip for months by myself. It was, I was hearing things that weren't there, seeing things that weren't there. It was sober. <laughs> so I was like having night terrors and, you know, everything. And I just had to pick myself up and get help. And I did. And, um, and in doing so, I came to my band and we had, we'd been a band seven years, right? But I came to them and I said, look guys, being, being in a band with four women is different because there's a lot of if you want to make it work, you really work. You can't have one person be a diva. You can't let one person's reigning attitude dictate the way that the rest of the band is going to do or go. We're four different people, four different women, but strength, we are strength, strong in different ways. So when we come together, it's awesome. Because when I came to them after I got well, I said, guys, I'm not interested in like being jealous of you anymore or being weird. Like I've been working my whole life to do this music thing and I want your guys' success as much as my own I can finally say that like without my ego getting in the fucking way like I don't want as there's if we are real and honest with each other there's no reason for us to ever fight there's no reason for us to ever talk shit so it became about a very negative situation and band yeah. to a, an egocentric band to a very positive working uh, equal balanced harmonious kind of situation now sometimes we do still you know you know what you're mad at me really because of you know whatever you know what I mean like that piece of licorice that, you know what who cares that shit, happens. that shit happens but be able to work it out you know and every day we're on stage we do one of these and we, we look at each other and say I love you I love you you know like and if somebody's mad at someone else they'll be like they won't look and it's like get over here and look at me you know what I mean <laughs> Like, because at the end of the day, our relationship is bigger than any of that bullshit. And right, right. we couldn't do this without the other the other people in the band. Like, it has, to, it, it has to be us. Right. I was never into, you know, any other sort of drugs or anything, but I did quit uh, drinking last November. Oh, yeah, drinking's a big one. Yeah, and once you, like, get some space from that, you realize all the emotions, all the feelings, all the stuff come back. Body, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, it's, when your body starts to heal up and yeah. go back to what it's supposed to oh, be. Oh man. The, the, the aches and pains of your body. Yeah. The, the emotions. <laughs> the emotions, that, man. The just things that on. Were numb, yeah. You know, before they all just come rushing back. Totally. You get like maybe about six months into it. Totally. And you're like. Dude. <laughs> it's like being on a whole new drug, isn't it? It's because, like, right. when you drink for, like, your whole life or, you know what I mean? Like, even just uh, occasionally or whatever, but it becomes a routine. Anything you do in a routine that you stop doing, it's like, oh, this is now a new routine. I don't know. But it's, it's the feelings are huge. Right, and you got to find a way of, like, dealing with those because, like, if anything, I'm more on edge now that I'm, like, completely sober. Right. And i got to, like, figure out a way of, like... How do I get through this? How do I deal with you these walk emotions? through? Yeah, you have to walk through the fire. Well, it, I, you know what I do is deep, breath, deep breathing. Mm -hmm. 
making sure I take time for myself, yeah. getting enough rest and drinking water. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I tell people on stage sometimes, like, this is a tough life, but take a deep breath, dude. Like, seriously, there's some magical shit in breathing. Like, you can get through anything. Oh, yeah. Like, I do yoga and everything yeah. and, and all that, like... You can get through anything. Women just breathe to give birth, you know? You can go through anything just breathing. I saw something on Vice where people were walk, uh, hiking up to, like, one of the big mountains where it's, I don't, know, I don't know mountains, I don't know hiking, but it was a big, uh, where they were doing it in just their boxer shorts and, and underwear, and they were doing it by breathing, like, and they could hike the whole fucking thing. What, what are some of the biggest mountains? Oh, yeah, like Mount Everest. That, that one, thank you, Mount Everest. So they were walking, Mount, hiking Mount Everest naked, but getting through it by breathing. Pretty cool. Right, like when I do <laughs> yoga, like the yoga teacher will, will be saying in the middle of it, um, you know, send the breath to any parts of your body that you feel tension in. You know, Isn't it cool? And, and you send the breath to there, you know. You don't know how, but it you really send does. The, breath, the breath down to your knees. Or totally. Whatever, yeah. So there's a lot of. This world is such a weird place, and I don't believe that we've ever been taught the things that we could actually do. Right, right. <laughs> what are the real things in life, you know what like, I mean? There's all the, all the stuff that people did, humans did. Before civilized, you know, industrial. Before people decided how things should go. Yeah, yeah there's like things that people did on a daily basis to survive. Yeah. That once society became a society. And made things easy they, like, and comfortable. They ignored, you know, because they couldn't make money off of it. Totally. Or something or another. Right, know? right. Like, like, it's like, like, even right now I'm like contemplating, you know, either doing vegetarian or, you know, vegan and sure. stuff. And you think about it, like, that's how people eat. Totally. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Sure. Like, you know, they ate stuff that came out of the ground. Because they know? couldn't make a vegan patty, you know what I mean? They <laughs> right. couldn't make a chicken replacement. There was nothing like that. Right. Yeah. And you need protein, so what the fuck are you going to do? you got to eat the animals. When I was getting, uh, I was a veg like really bad vegetarian, but almost vegan, so I barely ate. <laughs> right. And uh, when I was getting sober, my ther I had to go to therapy to figure out what the fuck was happening to me because you said all these things come back and I was like, what is happening to me? <laughs> I really didn't know. Right. And uh, she told me that I had to start eating meat, a little bit of meat again to get the acids back built up in my brain and I've just continued to do it. Not a lot, I, I maybe eat once, maybe eat me once a week at home, but like here on tour, my body fucking needs it. Like, I'm tired. I'm working my ass off, so I need to, I need to eat what my body tells me. Right, I'm trying to find the balance where maybe I can still like, the, you know, a little bit of Chicken Every once in a while, yeah. But like, I gotta cut out some of this other shit. Yeah, like this, the the pork man. <laughs> this whole past week, I feel like my body's been like exercising devils. Because <laughs> I was eating so much bad shit oh, that my body man. was reacting. I'm just like, oh, yeah, man, oh, garbage oh. in, garbage out, man. Yeah, really. that's how I literally felt. Oh, like, trash oh. person. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so what's uh, so what's next with the band? You know, what what do you, what do you hope to accomplish? Coming up. Well, I'll, I'm just going to say, you put it out into the universe if you want it, right? I'd like, um, I, I have, we're doing our, 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 our headlining tour out to the fest. Do you know fest in Florida? It's a festival thing. We're going to tour out with, we're doing something different though. We're, there's this podcast called Lady to Lady. 
and we uh, they have like th 3.5 million downloads over 200 shows so they're doing pretty damn good and they're out of Los Angeles and um, we're gonna take them on tour and we're gonna have them do their podcast in front of a live audience oh, okay. and then three there are three of them and they're gonna do like 20 minutes stand-up set each and then a local either comedian or band and then we'll play so we're gonna do something different Awesome. Isn't it cool? I want to film it, you know, because it's women just being raw and weird comedians and musicians, like the two gnarliest kind of women you can get. Sorry. But you know what I mean? Like, just film it because you know it's going to be, like, funny. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, cool. It's been, uh, it's been great chatting with you. Yeah, man. You. Super awesome. nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to find out more information about the band, where, they can, where can they go online? They could go to all of the social medias, the Facebooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know worst about this part. Um, I think Facebook is Bad Cop, Bad Cop. I think that uh, Twitter is at BCBC Music. I think Instagram is Bad Cop, Bad Cop. Something is Bad Cop, Bad Cop Band. I think that might be our merch site. I'm not sure. Something, something. Or you could just find me on Facebook. My name's Stacey D, and you could write me a message, and I'll probably write you back. Awesome. Yeah. Talking with you. Nice to talk to you, too. Nice yeah. to meet you, bud. Have a good day. So that was my interview with Stacy D from the band Bad Cop, Bad Cop. I really enjoyed talking with her. We definitely, you know, you know talked about some uh, some real issues going on with her and the band. And I, was, I feel like I was able to connect with her really well. So let's get on to my next interview with Scott Lewis, the lead singer from the deathcore band Carnifex. I've, um, the new album is really good, man. I've really enjoyed it. I've, heard, I've seen a lot of, um, you know, positive feedback online on regards to, you know, this is the best Carnifex album that they put out, you know. Going into making this album, you know, what was sort of the, the mood of the band when you figured out what you wanted to do with it? You know, um, when we did Die Without Hope in uh, 2014, um, that, that record had been received really positively as well. And on the retail side of things, it, it charted the highest and all that. All the stuff that the labels like, you know. Yeah. It had the best first week, it's the fastest selling, you know, all, all, all that stuff that makes them happy. And, and the fans really liked it too. We, we, we did a lot of great tours on that record. So going into Slow Death, you know, we, we knew the expectation was going to be high because of how well received the previous album was. And I think we just really told ourselves like, we can't make any exceptions here. Every every aspect has to be 100%. We, we can't just, you know, I guess no filler, you know what I mean? Right. So we really made it a point to, to do that. We were pretty hard on ourselves and, and we gave ourselves a long time to write. You know, I think we, we took a, 28 months between the two records okay which is in our scene that's a little longer than than most bands will do right. maybe a lot longer you know yeah uh, but we needed it we needed it to rewrite all those songs and get them to where we wanted to be and uh, and we did that so I think it was the, it was the, it was the amount of time we took and I think it was knowing that the, that the expectation was there was there anything from the you know the previous record that maybe you wanted to do better on slow death. I think so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, I liked a lot of Die Without Hope. You know, we worked on that record for a long time, and it was sort of, uh, you know, it was the first record for Nuclear Blast. Yeah, first record since we took some time off. So uh, we we had to get it right, you know. And then I think going into Slow Death, we 
learned a lot about uh, what helps us write better, and we learned a lot about the not just what the fans want, but what we're good at. You know what I mean? And I, I think too, Slow Death was great. You know, those are six record and I think when you get to that point record number six year number 12 you're kind of not really looking at anyone else right you just are you're just looking at back at your catalog trying to say how can we do what we do better and I think that was a good approach rather than kind of trying to not that we actively did it but you everybody compares themselves to someone else right always yeah. so I think when you look at a band that more successful than you. You kind of go, well, what are they doing? Maybe we can put our spin on it, you know? And that's totally normal. Everybody does that. You just kind of want to see what, kind of where the, what people are responding to and do your take on it. But for us, all we did was just look back at our catalog and really go, you know, what do we do really well? What do we do that the fans really love? And what do we do that when we look back at those records that are 10 years old, say, I still like this aspect of it. Yeah. And then there's the stuff that you're like, if we were young, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And we just we 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 took that that approach with slow death, and and we took our time, and we we didn't we didn't compromise at all. You know, we we really knew that that we had to nail it. Thank you guys. When you look back to like the early years of the band in the band, you know, what really sticks out in your mind? Oh man, what sticks out in my mind? Well. <laughs> I guess how long we just ate shit for, honestly. <laughs> you know, we didn't make any money for a long, long time. Um, it was tough. You know, we didn't have an agent for a long time, and you know, we always toured in a van. Still do. Still, we're in a van on this tour. Right. Which I think is about two other bands I can say that. You know, and uh, I think it, it it was kind of a trial by fire for us. You know, just trying to figure out how to combine being a musician with running a business which is what it, what it is you know? yeah basically yeah yeah and what's interesting is the industry will tell you that if you ever talk about money or ask for money or prioritize money oh no you should be happy to be here and that's a, that's just such a myth predicated by the people making the money yeah you know it's always the people the managers the agents the promoters they're the ones that will tell you not to worry about money <laughs> right, right. while they make the bulk of it right Right. So I think it took us a while to find how to be musicians and artists, and then also run a business. You know, because we didn't, you know, we didn't know shit. We were just, you know, five twenty-year-olds. What do we know? You know, so we had to figure it out. It was trial by fire for sure. Was there a time that uh, came when maybe an event, uh, just a day, something, someone you met, something that you heard in your career when you realized like we're getting this shit right and this could be something that could, you could be doing for a long time? Um, I, I, to a degree, maybe not with that much confidence, but I think, um, you know, once we got with Nuclear Blast and Dive of Hope got out there, released properly, promoted properly, yeah, and we were able to get out on the road and promote it, I think it was kind of the first time I felt like we were doing something right, you know? So I, 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 that's just, what, a couple years ago, I guess. Right. <laughs> when it comes to to a band like Carnifex, that's you know, and there's you know certain things that certain labels that get tied to music like yours. There's a lot of bands adjacent to you guys that um, you know they all sort of have the same sound, same formula. How do you guys you know differentiate yourself from everyone else? Well, I'd say we're one of the few that's left. 
mean, if you look back at the bands that started in 2005, uh, I don't know who's left. It's like us and Suicide Silence. <laughs> you know, they're no, they're all gone. And I mean, you have the second wave deathcore bands that started in like yeah. 08 and 09 and stuff like that. You know, but we'd already been on the road for three years at that point. We've already done two records at that point. So. I think if you look at the originators of the genre, us and Despise Icon and Suicide Silence, um, I, I think I think there's barely any of us left. You know what I mean? So it was for us, it was a lot of people trying to sound like our old shit all the time, <laughs> which is cool. You know, that's fine. We have people we looked up to for sure. Right. So I think, especially lately, I think what we're doing now, bringing in kind of the darker elements and more of a black metal influence. Uh, you know. We've been doing. We started doing that in 2010. Yeah. And now look at all the new deathcore bands. It's all this black metal vibe, right? You yeah. know. So it's cool though. It's it's nice. It's kind of interesting to be in a point where it's like you're the old guys now. <laughs> you know. And we've been a band for almost 13 years. So I guess we are the old guys. Why do you Why do you think you guys are you know a part of this handful of bands that are still around after all these years? Uh. You know, I think a lot of times when people start bands, maybe they are starting a style of music that they don't really like, but they know they can kind of get some traction with it. Yeah. Where for us, you know, there was no preconceived notion of we're going to start a band and we're going to go on tour. When Carnif when when Carnifex started, I had actually given up on bands. Really, I'd done a ton of bands through high school and immediately following high school and tried real hard to get them off the ground. And they never so I, I hadn't been doing bands for probably a good two years, and it just been working. And really, haven't hadn't didn't give it a thought. Figured, hey, it, it is what it is. So well, right. and then you know by chance I ended up meeting Sean, who I started the band with, our drummer. And there was no preconceived notion at all. We were just, it was just cool to meet someone else that played music. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> right. I kind of lost touch with a lot of musicians. Yeah. And so when we started writing heavy music, that was what we were into. We didn't. We weren't even plugged into a scene, you know what I mean? We were yeah. just, just, you know, he was a he was a roommate of a friend of mine. That's how I met him. It wasn't like wasn't through another band, or I knew him from another band, or anything like yeah. that. So we, we honestly just wanted to write music that we had fun time playing house parties. Right. So I think a lot of bands, and you see it on this tour, and you see it in general, is they kind of aren't really in love with the kind of music that they sort of got known for. And so you, when you, there's, if there's that lack of enthusiasm there, it's hard to get through the bullshit, you know? Mm -hmm. You gotta really love what you do, because there's no money here. And it's a hard grind, you know, we're on the road like nine months out of the year. Right. And we've been on the road like that for 11 years. My entire 20s were gone to touring. <laughs> you know, I started right. a band when I was 21, I'm 32. Right. I'm on tour the entire time, you know? So a lot of people move on with their lives and you get pretty much forgotten by everybody back home. So you really have to want to be out here for what you're playing and if you don't really like the music you're playing it's easy to give up right. Uh, right now you know on this year's Warp Tour is you know there's a lot more heavier bands than previous years you know how does it feel to kind of be a part of you know with some of these other bands that are on tour the Hatebreeds the Guars feels great. Know, there's a lot of like heavy bands on there I think I think it feels great I mean I kind of think the monster stage, stages are sort of saving the tour you know, honestly I think people are really coming out for the heavy bands yeah and you know, no disrespect to to anyone on the tour, but I think the, there's a there's a conception of what a warp tour band is. Yeah, yeah. Right? Everybody knows that. You say that. What kind of music are they? Oh, they're a warp tour band. 
and you kind of have an idea of what kind of a yeah. little bit of screaming, a little bit of singing, or something really popular. Bunch of good-looking guys, right? Yeah. Okay, so every, everybody knows this Warped Tour bands, right? And then I think when you look at the metal scene, we kind of are unsung to a degree. I mean, people really come out, and they come out for years and years and oh, years. Yeah. They're not fair weather fans, and they they'll drive two hours, three hours. They don't they don't care. And I think having those people supporting this tour is really making a difference, I think, you know, because I think it's it's easy for Warped Tour bands to sort of be hot one minute and not the next. And I think having the metal bands on there is really making a difference because those fans come out year after year after year, you know. Yeah, I remember last year, um, uh, Chelsea Grin was on uh, Warped Tour last year, and they played early in the day. They were on at, like, 1 o'clock or something. Yeah, yeah. And there was this crowd there chanting Chelsea Grin, right. Chelsea Grin before they even. I'm just like, whoa, this is crazy. And then I, I, I caught you guys earlier, um, last couple of uh, songs, mm-hmm. and yo, they were out there, man. Yeah, like, I, people I, were they, out there. The metal crowd, they don't get the credit they deserve. It's easy to laugh at metalheads because you know we're sweaty and we're shitty <laughs> and we play bars, you know, but we're old. <laughs> but hey, those people come out and they support their bands. Right. I, I think it's evidence of how many people are, are watching the heavy bands. Right, right. All right, man, it's been good talking with you. Uh, good luck on the rest of the tour. Right on. Appreciate right. it. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So that was my interview with Scott Lewis, the lead singer of the deathcore band Carnifex. Their new album, Slow Death, is out right now, and it's pretty awesome. So next up on the list is Chad and Jess from the band CKY. I was super geeked to do this interview. So uh, let's get into it. I'm Jess. I'm Chad. Cool. How's the uh, Warp Tour been? It's been awesome. Love Warp Tour, man. It's a super cool, uh, unique tour. You know, you get to meet a bunch of bands you might never even have heard or seen before, or maybe you never got the chance to see before. Uh, old people, new people, a lot of new friends, and just. Uh, teaches you to you know open your heart and, and your mind and your ears to new things and and uh, you get to travel around like a big rock and roll punk rock summer camp do you ever get like when you do these festivals like a, uh, a warp tour do you ever get anybody being like I'm there to see CKY and you're like thinking well there's all these other bands thank you thank you but there's these other bands that you can like sort of uh, discover you know what do you say to, say to people I, like I think that? especially this year I've heard a lot of that because uh, there's you know, bands like us and Guar and... We're excited to see you back. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, uh, our fans and Guar fans might not necessarily have come to the Warp Tour, you know, in the years past, but, you know, now that they're bringing out bands that have been around for a while, you know, it's going on. <laughs> cool. Um, you know, it's, uh, you guys got a new album out, first one in eight years. Uh, Darren's no longer with the band. You know, what were you guys thinking about when, you know... Why now? Why did you come back now with a new album after eight years? And what were you guys thinking about when, uh, you know, starting to uh, write new music? Uh, we've been working on new music for quite a while, actually, with with, with uh, a guy named Daniel Davies who sang in the band. Um, we toured with Daniel and did some one-off festivals and so, uh, Soundwave Festival, which is kind of a short-run version of Warped Tour over in the UK, yeah, or, uh, Australia, Australia, run by a different promoter, of course. But. It's, it's a traveling festival with a bunch of the same bands. Uh, we did that with a singer named Daniel Davies, uh, who's a very talented dude, uh, son of 
Dave Davies of the Kinks, uh, stepson of a guy named John Carpenter, who soundtracked, directed, and wrote a lot of uh, classic horror movies. Oh, yeah, definitely. And sci-fi culture movies. And uh, Daniel and us wrote a bunch of great music together. And uh, Daniel came to a point where he had to make a choice whether to go and perform with John Carpenter who's decided to start touring uh, he got that opportunity and uh, Daniel took that and he's been touring around with that ever since and uh, we love Daniel so we stayed cool with Daniel and Daniel was just like hey man you know do you feel like singing you know I was like no and he's like well, <laughs> can you and I was like alright so I mean that's kind of how you know I made a solo record uh, in some off time and uh you know, it, it it was easy enough. I mean, I sang a bunch of CKY songs in the past, too, and been writing songs, so uh, it went smooth, and I'm having a blast with it, man. Things are going great. How does, you know, how does this time right now feel different than the previous albums, you know, back in the day? Um, I think we uh, appreciate doing this a lot more than we might have in the past. <laughs> you know, when you're younger and you kind of have a little ego thing going on and you feel like you deserve it. And, you know, you realize that you're lucky to be able to do it for a living. So uh, I think we don't take that for granted at, at all now. You know, right? The yeah, back in the day, the uh, the Infiltrate, Destroy, Rebuild album was such a monster album for me. I loved that so much when it came out, and that was also at the height of you guys being a part of the videos, the CKY videos, and the whole Viva La Bam, MTV stuff, you know, when you kind of look back at that album, you know, what sticks out in your mind about, you know, writing that album, making that album, and everything that came because of it? Um, I don't know, did you feel like that was like, when it came out, like, holy shit? I, uh, no, I thought that was a perfect album, actually, when we were making it. I knew everything was perfect. We made that. We were in Hawaii making that record. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, things were. It was like we were in heaven making that record. And the record was a perfect album. Things lined up perfectly. It was a perfect storm at that point for us. Uh, yeah. Those years that leading up to that IDR and then the few years following IDR were, were probably the height of the band, uh, the band's success at that at that time. Uh, I feel like we're more busy now than we ever were, but yeah. uh, at the time, man, I mean, that was everything. That was that was making it big, man, and, and we weren't even that popular, but we were out opening for Guns N' Roses all of a sudden, and uh, we had a very unique record that really didn't fit in with anybody, and we got there on our own terms, so, so we were, you know, riding high, and we were proud of what we were doing, and we not, weren't sure how we did it, but... Uh, we thought we knew how we did it. <laughs> what, what, what were the things that you were thinking that made you think that you thought that you were... We thought that just uh, having, you know, paying no mind to anyone else and just being very unique to ourselves and kind of maybe being dickheads, you know, just avoiding the pack, paying no attention to anybody and purposely not making friends and, and purposely not listening to other people's music and and saying no a whole lot and, and saying we're right, you're wrong a yeah. whole lot, whether we knew it or not. I mean, sometimes we were right, probably most of the time we weren't. <laughs> you know, but luck aligned, you know, it was basically a luck game and we, we pressed ours a whole lot until there was no more luck to press. 
exactly. <laughs> oh, you mentioned that you, like you seem more busy now than in the past. You know, you know why is that? Is it just a you know the difference in the music industry these days, or you know why do you feel more busy these days? Uh, I think we're working extra hard to rebuild our brand. You know, because we took a pretty good hiatus there for a while. I mean, it was definitely great to see that we, we booked a, a UK tour, and we had no idea how it would go. It's been eight, nine years since we played there, so. Yeah. Uh, the unit uh, today, what, what we, you know, what, what Jess and I think about today is, is, is going in the right direction. There's nothing, there's no other, uh, there's nothing deterring that at this point. Yeah. We already kind of been through everything. We know exactly what we're doing now. We know what we are and we know what we aren't. And uh, it's even people we used to work with in the industry, uh, be it managers or labels, right? We, we've changed who we've associated with over the years. We, we've learned a whole lot of lessons. We've we've repaired a lot of damaged relationships as well. <laughs> I mean, yeah. When uh, when you guys announced that you have a new album, you know. People are excited, you know, people are excited about seeing you guys on this tour, you know. How did that feel when, you know, you're seeing this excitement from all these people, you know, when you haven't put out an album in eight years? Yeah, we didn't expect that it started out with just trying to book a little tour and, and, and do a, you know, a little album. We weren't really sure what what was going to come of it. We didn't know if we were going to sell it on fucking Instagram, you know, I mean. Uh, <laughs> and then... As the tours got booked, we booked a small Canadian tour, and then before you knew it, we booked a UK tour, which all the venues had to be upgraded really quick, and shows were selling out in two minutes. And that was add a second London show and stuff. That that kind of stuff's cool to see after twenty. That years. was pretty mind blowing because we really didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Uh, and the UK really pulled through for us and proved to a lot of people uh, what what we were hoping. Remained to be true. One of the cooler things was a lot of the people that we talked to uh, after the shows would be like, I was too young to get in the last time you guys played here. You know, I'm glad you came back because I thought I would never see you. Yeah, I waited 12 years, I waited 15 years. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right, man, it's been great talking with you guys. Good luck on the rest of the tour. Good luck with the new album. Good luck with the set tonight. Thank you, thanks. All right, much appreciated. So that was my interview with Chad Ginsberg and Jess Margera from the band CKY. It was a joy to talk with those guys. Glad that they're back in the fold, back in the music, back with new music. They were my shit one time. I loved CKY. You know, glad to see them live at Warp Tour. They slayed. And it was glad and I was so it was so awesome to talk with them. So next up is a really fun interview. It's with Postulus Maximus from the band Guar. Just a heads up, this shit gets weird. And I roll with the punches with them. And we, we actually get, uh, you know, I started, I started out with Pustulus Maximus, and then, you know, other members start to join in with the, uh, the conversation later on. Uh, so this was definitely a fun one. So let's uh, talk with Pustulus Maximus from the band Guar. Introduce yourself. Uh, this is Pustulus Maximus, the, uh, the new face of Guar. The new face of Guar. What happened? Why are you the new face? Well, you know, because I just, I lie, and I'm deceptive, and uh, that helps me gain, garner attention for myself. You know, uh, the other guys would be here, but uh, I always tell them press is like two hours later than now, so I can just take, hog all the attention for myself, you know, just like Odorous Youngest would do. Oh, why are you trying to hate on the other members? 
Oh, well, because I'm just the greatest, that's why. Oh, alright. I guess. But you guys, okay, you guys have a new album coming out a uh, couple months. Dude, what, what can we expect, expect from that? There's a lot of crazy shit going on in the uh, country, in the world going on. And I know you guys always go after that type of shit, you know. What can we expect from this new album? Well, Guar has their finger on the pulse of what's going on in daily lives uh, all the time. And uh, the new record, The Blood of Gods, that's coming out October 20th, will encapsulate all the trials and tribulations that Guar has endured over the last five to six years. And uh, it's, it tells our tale. It tells about the war on Guar, that humanity revolted against us. It tells, you know, talks about how we sold out. You know, I don't know you guys know this, but, you know, we even sold out to a fast food restaurant. And we got a jing, we do jingles now. We're totally rich. That's right. Totally rich. Filthy rich. I have hundreds of dollars. At last. Wait, who just joined us? Yeah. Uh, this is the Berserker Blothar. Yeah, he was trying to hog up all the glory. No, he's not trying to do that. He just, you know. It just happens. He attracts glory. He must have followed my scent here. <laughs> he tried to lose me by moving through a creek, but I found him. There's always, you know, there's, Guar has always been this uh, sense of satire. You guys are a very unique entity in, in music. You know, why do you feel like it's so important to just tackle all these crazy issues going on in the world? and flip them upside down and, you know, be controversial with them. It's like perspective, you know, like uh, we're overlords that are intergalactic. We're from outer space. We don't, we're not really tied to anything that's happening here on Earth. So when somebody passes away unexpectedly or blows a building up or flies a plane into a building, we really aren't that concerned. So we can just make light of the situation because it doesn't affect us. We don't care. We want humanity to fail. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that is that shit that you guys have been touching upon for, you know, the 30 years you guys have been a band. Like now with this Trump presidency and all the fucked up shit that's going on with our government, like other people are starting to get on board. D do you ever feel like a sense of legitimacy now, like validation that like there's other people that are sort of like. And they might not be Guar fans or agree with what you're saying, but they're voicing their opinions about shit now. Well, it's interesting because that's actually another theme on the album is that, yes, humanity has reached a point where it's so absurd and it's so backwards and twisted and upside down that Guar suddenly makes perfect sense. Right. Whereas before we were on the outside. As a, indeed, our greatest challenge is to continually come up with ways to you know I mean we can't we can't kill we can't do anything to humanity that they're not doing to themselves and uh, you know so that's yes that's a problem like you know people have clearly lost their minds and uh, the, what used to be satire seems to have become normal everyday reality it's absolutely correct throughout the history of Guar you know there's always been a lot of lineup changes and whatnot do you know do these new people that come into this universe you know do they just you know continue on with whatever character there already exists or do you ever just make up a new character for something that's like going on in the world or something that's needed in the band at that time we don't make anything up people just yeah. show up yeah 
it's a real. hog of the stage. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You're taking the wrong perspective on this. Oh. You know, we actually, a sleazy P. Martini is a real human being. I'm a real monster from outer space. Okay. Pustulus is a real monster from outer space. I mean, uh, you know, it's true that, but yes, the character, the cast of characters that regularly fucks with Guar uh, evolves as time goes on. And of course, uh, you know, right, like, as Pushless mentioned, you know, uh, on the new record, and, and uh, lately we've been fucking around with a fast food mascot, uh, <laughs> who's uh, w- we'll introduce with the record. Um, that you know, and, and we we have sold our souls, like he said. We made a pop song, a pop big hit record. You know, we're already getting money from it, even though it's not out yet. I don't even know how that happens. <laughs> but uh, you know, of course, the char- cast of characters evolves according to what's happening. What does what does what do these people that just hang out hang out hang around in your universe have to do to stay around? Uh, usually, just give us attention or uh, <laughs> drugs or alcohol. Yeah. Uh, buy us dinner at Mama Zoo, those kind of things. For some reason, we allow too many people to hang around. It's true. I think we need to thin the herd. I would love to have a Guar show where Guar doesn't get fucked with. <laughs> You know, because I'm just trying to play a rock and roll show, and all these guys come on. Even the president of the United States came on stage last night. We made quick work of him. I don't know what he's so interested in our show for, but we cut his guts out. We have a pathological inability to fire people. That's really why there's so many people hanging around. How how do how do you guys live? How do you guys sustain? You know, if you're monsters or whatever, you know, what do you eat? You know, what do you like? What what breathes lives into you guys? McDonald's, exclusively, almost. Do they give you a check for that? No, I <laughs> wish. I wish they'd give me one of those like free Big Mac tickets or something. Lifetime Big Mac. Give me the yeah. Give me the winning McDonald's Monopoly fucking fry thing or whatever it is. You have no many. I've, I've bought truckloads of fries trying to get that thing. <laughs> I've never gotten it. How no, do we you just eat garbage? All garbage <laughs> all day. If you know, if you haven't told by our appearance, it's it's hard to keep up this kind of strength and power. Right. You know, especially when no one's there to cook for you. So we just eat prepackaged crap all the time. That's right. I came from the dumpster right now. I left beefcake. He's eating out of the dumpster. Is that food unhealthy for you guys as it is for us humans? No, no, no. We can, we can process all that shit. I mean, he has six stomachs, so. Yeah, that's right. It's health food for us. Well, what do all the six stomachs do? <clears throat> what, what all six stomachs do? You know, one stomach eats something, then it passes a little bit more to the, you know, gradually each, <laughs> stomach, each stomach digests this massive mound of fucking fecal matter that I've eaten for that day. And then it comes out, it goes in poop, and it comes out food. That's the weirdest thing. Oh. I shit food. It's backwards. <laughs> so it's, one of those stomachs is full of chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> what your mother, what your parents told you is correct. It never leaves your body. What do, what do you do uh, with that? to five. What do you do with all that food you shit out? Well, I, you, beefcake eats it usually. Yeah, barbecued food. Food. Yeah, that's barbecue, barbecue burgers. We serve it at the bar bar. Oh, is it, yeah. Is that is that what is that the food that is uh, that is sold at the bar? We put it in a priority mail flat rate shipping box. <laughs> send it right back to the bar bar. <laughs> flat rate. 
<laughs> you got to be thrifty in these tough economic times. In Trump's America, you got to be thrifty. Right, right, right. Um, how do you guys, like, okay, right now, uh, you know, you guys were originally guys, like, putting, you know, Trump's head into shit, you know, like the Kathy Griffin thing. And they even, didn't they bring you guys up, like, during the press conference? Like They actually brought up two Richmond bands, Municipal Waste and Guar, for being violent towards the president, you know, and I think he warrants, he warrants that kind of violence. He does. Yes. You know, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, people have no problem with uh, inciting violence against another person, but make a joke about suicide and the whole world wants to get up your ass. Well, so, I want to get up your ass. Ooh. <laughs> that sounds uh, kinky. Kinky, it's normal. <laughs> what's what's kinky about that? <laughs> Anal is just on the menu these days. Haven't you been paying attention? <laughs> I saw. Um, I went out to the to the merch booth out here at the Warp Tour, and I saw that there's a uh, a Guar comic book. You know, what's going on with that? What's the story uh, uh, going on in there? Well, the story right there is quite simple. Since Guar is always, like I said earlier, we, we've got our finger on the pulse of what's happening in America today, and. Uh, this comic book is just a reaction to uh, the way the world's headed. I know they kind of faded away, but since Betsy DeVos is in tr control of the education system, we got to make sure we start dumbing down our literature because I don't think people are going <laughs> to be able to read in about 10, 15 years. So that's why we're making the picture books. It's just an easy transition. Now we have word bubbles and thought bubbles on all the characters. Pretty soon it's just going to be... You know, just all pictures, hieroglyphs and shit like that. Emojis. We'll speak with emojis exclusively. Right. Uh, on the next, on probably the next few issues. Right. You, maybe you can find a way of, like, you know, doing a whole album that where you just do emojis. Won't you even have any music. Emoji, emoji music? Emo emoji music, you know. Well, we've already, you know. I mean, it's dangerously close to emo. Yeah. Wait, is there, wait, is there a Guara emoji yet? I don't know. <coughs> there should be. Uh, There's a Blothar emoji. But you need to get on that. Okay, right now, while you guys are on the Warp Tour, you know, how's, you know, how's that been, you know? How's it been, you know, going to all these cities with all these different bands? It's been depressing. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine, imagine a whole festival of nothing to watch but guar. <laughs> it's just all padding. It's all fluff. Now that the barber left, there's no reason for us to be here. <laughs> there used to be a barber on the tour. I'd just sit and watch him cut hair all day. Now there's nothing to watch. So yeah, he's you just sit him and watch, watch like you wouldn't. Would you get your hair cut or you know? Do you have hair? Yes, of course I have hair. <laughs> now this tour, this tour is definitely hard on these younger bands because I see all these little fellows running around in their sisters' clothes and they can't even afford <laughs> socks. You know. Yeah, it's. I mean, time must be. T times must be tough for everybody. That's right. I mean, but it's seasoned vets, you know, of capri of this pants and penny loafers. It's not for everybody. With no, with no socks. <laughs> but as seasoned vets in this music industry, you know, what would you tell these uh, young bands? You know, what to do? You know, what? Quit. Yes. Yeah, stop immediately. Kill yourself and your parents, <laughs> and then burn your instruments in that order. Yeah, you really should just stop. I mean, there's. 
I, I'm just praying for the music industry to collapse. You know, I've been fighting for it for a long, long time now because the only people that are going to be left are people that want to create music, not people that want to be rock stars, which uh, I see a lot of people working out. That's, that's devoting a lot of time to vanity. Me, I just do 12-ounce curls, you know. 12-ounce girls? Where do you find that? <laughs> it's like curls. Oh. Catering. Oh. oh. <laughs> 12-ounce girl. That sounds great. I love a spinner. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, well, well. It's been great talking with you guys. You know, I need, and you guys need to go get back to your uh, intergalactic activities uh, of being Guar and the awesomeness with that. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to join the Guar universe and be a part of the Guar universe and bug you guys on a regular basis, or just find your st stuff online, wherever they go. Uh, do you guys even have a website? Is that even a thing in your in your in your universe? Uh, yeah, management says we have to have a Facebook, so yeah. we do that. And uh, We have a website. They, they take all the content down, though. Apparently, Facebook's not cool with dick pics. <laughs> we just, that's all we send each other, pictures of our own dicks from a, even though we're sitting across from each other staring at them. For the longest time, we thought our media manager's name, his name was Dick Pick. <laughs> Web hosting is confusing. Yeah, it is. It's. <laughs> Don't you know who I am? I'm a webmaster. Oh. <laughs> All right. Then. It's not the calling card of authority, is it? No. 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 <laughs> All right, man. It's been good talking with you guys. Uh, good luck on everything, and uh, continue to destroy things. All right. Thank you. All right, that was my interview with Pustilus Maximus from Guar. Wasn't that shit crazy? Man, I I was trying not to laugh the whole time, man, but <laughs> Yo, they were they had me rolling, man, but I rolled with the punches. I feel like I did a good job with rolling with the punches. Uh, you know, speaking with them. Yo, they and they Oh man, their set at Warp Tour was so much fun. I actually got sprayed with the blood, man. I was trying to take photos up front, up front of the stage, and uh, I got I got sprayed with the blood. But whatever they use, man, it basically just disappears after a while. So that shit was cool. Next up, Frank Novinik of the band Hatebreed. We get into a lot of things about how he uh, originally joined the band after many years of being in other bands. So it was great to talk with him. So let's get into my interview with Frank Novinik of the band Hatebreed. Uh, how's, how's the Warp Tour been? Um, pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't catch seem to catch a break from that. Um, but no, it's fun. It's uh, different for us, you know. We're more of a... We were more molded as an Ozfest or a, or a, or a Mayhem Fest, but you know, Hatebreed did the Warp Tour, I think, 18 or 19 years ago. Yeah, I think it was like 98. Yeah. Yeah. 98, so, 99, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's good to be back and something different for us, you know. I mean, we're usually in Europe this time, so, and we will be going back there as soon as this ends, and we came right from there, but uh, it's been good. We have some friends out here, so it's just, uh, you know, we're trucking along here. We're more than halfway over, and uh, yeah. You've been, uh, how long have you been with the band? Since I, 06. Since 06? Okay. All right. Um, you know, in you know, with the you know the Warp Tour, all the different sorts of bands that are on this tour. You know, 
Um, you know, how do you feel like you guys fit in? Um, you know, what's sort of camaraderie like with the other bands on the tour? Um, I kind of feel like they went a little heavier this year with the lineup. Um, so I feel like with, you know, without comparing ourselves to the other bands, um, to have us and Guar and Municipal Waste and, and um, like in the Muirs or the Acacia Strains out here, um, sick of it all. I think those are a good mix of of what Hapri does, you know, um, as far as heavy music's concerned, as far as the hardcore roots are concerned. So, you know, I think the good thing about it for us is there's a lot of young kids that know the name. Yeah. Whether they see these young bands that they're coming to see wearing our shirts or hear them talking about us, or they're just curious. So, I, you know, when Jamie asks how many people are checking us out for the first time every day, it's almost half the crowd, which blows my mind 22 years in the game, you know. But that's 100% of why we're out here doing this. So um, I think it's always best for a band to keep themselves current, um, especially when you've been doing it for as long as we have. So, um, you know, I think the, you know, the gist of it is that uh, it's a nice blend of different kinds of music, and, and we fit in there just fine. Right. How do you, um, you know, I, I li listen to uh, Jamie's uh, podcast yep. um, religiously now, and he's like the type of person that always tries to figure shit out, you know, with all of his guests, yeah. you know, how, you know, we can all make this better, you know, make this better. Like, how do you guys, how do you guys stay relevant and, but at the same time, not like getting bogged down by like what's cool, what's trendy or whatever. How do you guys be yourself in all this? I mean, really, just answered the question yourself. I mean, we, we just have to be yourselves. Fortunately, the band was around and, and, and popular um, before the downloading of CDs and the internet really hit hard. Right. So I think that, you know, we kind of missed that bump in the road. Um, and also just learning from other bands' mistakes, watching what people have tried to do, you know, and, and not be content with where they're at. Um, you know, we're content with being Hatebreed and being able to tour all over the world still and, and have a, a fan base and, and still being a brand, you know, like a household name. Um, obviously, Jamie's very hands-on with everything and he's, you know, got his, his, his uh, you know, he's got all his things going on with, with, the, with the managing and the, <laughs> the other bands that he does and, and the, the clothing line and the, the podcast and, you know, everything. So he, he's in the mix. Right. But I think it's important for a band like us to stay universal, to play with different kinds of bands, expose ourselves to every kind of crowd, and um, never go away. I think if you do that, you're done. You know, um, And I think that Warp Tour is a, a way for us to breathe some fresh air into the balloon. Um, you know, and especially since the record's been out almost, you know, going on a year and a half. So um, that's really it. You know, I think that's a good formula for 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 us anyhow 22 23 years in right is there any time when like when you're trying to like you know just go to like another crowd or you know you you sit you you okay to do like a festival or show and it just doesn't work out like it just seems like the crowd really isn't feeling you guys um i mean we go and do tours and shows with bands that are, are not like us i mean we went to the uk and opened for volbeat and they're huge over there and, yeah. and we're just not a little bit different than them you know a lot different than them in some people's eyes but you have to go out there and make everybody feel welcome 
Right. You can't go out there with an attitude, especially if you're the opening act and you're trying to gain fans. I think you have to make everybody feel welcome, make everybody feel like they're there to have a good time, make sure they have a smile on their face, and that's really all you can do. Go out there and put the show on that you normally do. I mean, the Hatebreed set's usually pretty high energy, so yeah. I think that, you, you know, there's only so much that we can do. You can't make everybody enjoy it, but at the same time, you have to go out there and, and, and conquer and, and, and do all the, the right things and create a positive vibe in there, especially when you're on a tour where people are just pretty much there to see the headline. Right. What were you doing before you joined this band? I was in a band called Terror for a couple of years. Okay, Terror. I was, before that, I was playing in Ringworm and Integrity, which are bands that I formed when I was in high school. Okay, yeah. Um, we've all been successful bands, and they're all still going. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been doing this music stuff since the late 80s, right. before these guys were, and that's how <laughs> I know them. Right. Because they used to sleep on my floor when they didn't even have a trailer. I'd wake up in the morning, they'd all be on my floor. This is before the Grammy nomination and the Universal Records and the, you know, the millions, couple million albums sold. So I, you know, this, we go way back. That's how I kind of weaseled my way into the band. So. Yeah, looking back at those times when you first, like, saw this band Hate Breed, you know, working with their sleeping on your floor or whatever, you know, and, like, what's, like, the fondest memories of that time and, like, looking back now that you're a part of the band and you've been part of the band for a decade now? Well, I mean, we did a lot of crazy partying and stuff back then, like, and, and, and like, you know, it's funny, when I was in Integrity, um, they reached out to us, and we were like, who are these kids from Connecticut, Hatebreed, they keep bothering us, they want to, <laughs> they want to do a split record with us, and then we did, we did a split record with the, it's funny, you know, because if you look on the back of that old Integrity and, 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 and Hatebreed 7, it's, the picture for Integrity is me, and I'm jumping with my guitar, the picture with Hatebreed is Jamie, and fast forward to however many years later, and, and now I've been in both bands, but, I mean, there was a lot of fun being had back then, and that's really what this was all about. I mean, the hardcore scene is a very, you know, when you come from the basements of America, it's a very close network. Yeah. And these are our friends, and we, we know all the bands, and, and we dug in the trenches and, and built this thing. But uh, the scene, I mean, not just Avery, but um, so, you know, I mean, a lot of good times and stuff. But, you know, as the band gets popular, it becomes more of a business, and you just try to, at this point, still remain friends and not let that get in the, in the, in the way and, and everybody, everybody's pretty uh, everybody's pretty chill so you make it work you know um, we well, still laugh and have a good time <laughs> we still text each other the stupidest stuff right. every day group texts just the five of us are the dumbest things like you know what was it about those guys you know back in the day when you like first met them that when you were like who are these guys always you know hitting me up or whatever. What, what, what was it about them that you finally were like all right we can hang out or whatever you can sleep on my couch or whatever well you know i mean i, I always was very untraditional when it comes to hardcore music i, I, I with ringworm i never in integrity real we were pretty much anti-scene persons like we didn't get join the bands so we could be friends with people and be part of this little scene we we were in the different stuff death metal and punk rock and stuff yeah. and but then when, you know when, when we found the hardcore scene it's like we wanted to bring those elements to it um what hapri was doing at that time was mixing bolt thrower and chromags and and they would come through town with sepultura and and and, and boulder would be playing like a an explorer and, and you'd have leather pants on <laughs> like it just was so not hardcore at all you know but it was when they played you know what i mean the music was undeniable so i was like these dudes are cool man I, like i really get it they're not just 
focused on one thing. They're kind of like, you know, it, 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 even though they're bringing like all these different spectrums to, to what they do, you know, it's it, it, it works. Right. And, I, and that was what, like what we were doing with Ringworm at the time, you know, crossing more of an angel with Youth of Today and Warzone. But, so I kind of really gravitated toward these dudes and, and was like, all right, you know, these guys listen to Johnny Cash and they, we drank whiskey all night, and but then we'll go watch Agnostic Front. Like, <laughs> like all this stuff, you know, it wasn't just like straight hardcore scene yeah. stuff, which like a lot of people at that time were, especially. So it was cool. You know? and, it, and it just all goes back to saying about how Hatebreed's a universal band like that and we're able to do Ozfest and Warp Tour and right. Mayhem Fest and all the all these different kinds of festivals and play with all these different bands all the time and tour with all these different bands. It always preach unity with underground music in general. Right. You shouldn't divide. There's not enough of us to divide, you know. When you look back to those early years when you're a part of the, your previous bands like Terror, like being a part of uh, Ringworm, mm -hmm. you know, you know, what really sticks out um, in your in your mind about those times, you know, when you were just, you know, new to all this music stuff. I just the first time we went to Europe was 1995, and Ringworm had gotten back together, and we were opening for Integrity, so I was playing two sets back to back. Oh, okay. And it was just remember how crazy it was going over there and being in a club in Germany was the first show. I'll never forget that. And like James, who sings for Ringworm, who is one of my best friends in the world, if not my best friend since we were little kids. Yeah. Um, hearing people speak in a different language and just being there for our show and just looking at him thinking like it was like we might as well have been on Mars we were so far from home we were young kids we we just you know what I mean I'll never forget that experience and just all How old those, were you guys then oh man we were in our early 20s you yeah know? so to go to Europe and, and 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 go fly away from from home for the first time <laughs> leave 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 America and just experience that whole thing I mean um, I'll never forget that. You know, just being green to all the stuff that's out there, not knowing anything, you know, not knowing what's up, just touring around in a van and just, you know, goofing off or whatever, really. I mean, that's what I remember most, but it still was always fun because it was always friends. I mean, you can't make it, anybody can play the music. You have to get, be involved with people that, you know, you're going to get along with, so. Right. When, when you were, you know, about to join Hatebreed, you know, how how did those talks happen between you and the band? You know, how, you know, what, what were you guys saying to each other to the point where like, hey, join the band? Well, at that point, I was really unhappy with my situation in Terror. Um, it just was one of those things where I shouldn't have never mixed business and friendship, and not for nothing. I had a lot of issues, personal issues, myself. You know, I missed a tour with them. Um, because I had a passport issue and they had to go over as a four-piece. I mean, looking back on that, that's just totally unprofessional. But coming from Ringworm, where it was nothing but a party, it wasn't a full-time band, and joining Terra, I think Terra really um, prepared me to realize that I needed to really get my stuff together to, um, if I wanted to do this for a living. And even though I was only in Terra for, I think, less than two years, I'm glad that they were able to continue on and be more successful after the train wreck that is me that was in the band so but at the end you know at the end my last few months of terror like i just wasn't happy at all and then i was always friends with hate Breed, talking to these guys on the phone every day sean and jamie and um they were always like we're gonna get you in this band one day for years they would say this <laughs> because when whenever these other bands would tour uh they you know 
uh, Hapri would take Terror on tour, Rio yeah. on tour. They like, they're like, you're riding with us the whole tour. Your band won't care. It's more room in the hotel and the van for them. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I mean, we're that close. Yeah. So when they wanted to become a five-piece again, because they'd been a four-piece for years, they just called me. There were no auditions or nothing. They're like, are you ready to be in the band? We've been talking about it long enough. I'm like, yes, because <laughs> I was ready to go back to regular work, which was the tire industry that I worked in for 11 years yeah. before I left to join Terror. And I was ready to go back to that. That's how unhappy I was in Terror. And that was it. I just left Terror. I played a show with them. I was like, I'm, I'm leave quitting the band then, right then and there. And um, that was it. How long did it take to like sort of get your shit together and you started feeling happy about all this? Well, it was real quick because I just, like, again, I was unhappy with, with the situation of Terror and these guys were my friends. I felt real comfortable. I feel like a better fit in Hate Breed. And I think anybody that's followed my career will tell you that I'm a much better fit in, 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 in Hate Breed than I was in Terror. And Terror's been a revolving door of people, except for the recent years where they've had a solid lineup. And, and they've really turned into a monster. Yeah. You know, they, they've, you know, they, they've really went and became that band that they needed to be and they, they do well all over the world and, and, and I'm really happy for Scott because he's one of my best friends in the world and that's the whole reason I joined the band in the first place so to see what that band's become um, is awesome but as far as me joining the band goes it's like uh, well, I think the second show I played with Hatebreed was with Corn in front of 16,000 people <laughs> so I had to really take it up a notch right. really quick so, I mean, it wasn't that I didn't have my things together. It's just that, you know, um, you're really taking it to the next level when you're joining a band like Hate Breed, especially at that time in their career. Um, right. And we were doing really big shows. I mean, uh, we were main stage of Ozfest playing the amphitheaters every day, you know, yeah. to 20,000 people right when I joined the band. So, you know. How much time was there between, you know, coming from Terror and coming from uh, going into Hate Breed? A month because they were recording a record, um, Supremacy at the time. Yeah. And while they were in the studio, there was a house next to the studio in Massachusetts where they were recording yeah. with, with Zeus and Planetine. And um, while they were in the studio recording, I would be with the uh, studio um, engineer, well, not engineer, but our, our studio assistant that was there um, overseeing everything, Phil Caivano from Monster Magnet. I'd like to say hello to him, great guy. <laughs> um, he, we'd be going, and you know, uh, when he when he wasn't uh, busy with the guys, I'd be learning the catalog. Yeah. While they were recording this record, because here we had to go to Australia and play with Corn. So I think we had a warm up show in Connecticut, and we played a small club show, where we did mostly old songs. That was my very first show with Hatebreed and uh, at the LNG in, in New London, Connecticut. And then from there we went overseas and we're doing shows with Europe, uh, with uh, over. Um, Corn, and then right after that, I think it was main stage of Ozfest. So it wasn't long, you know. I had to buckle down, and you know, it's funny looking back. And then, uh, you know, we, uh, we have um, we don't even use a set list. <laughs> Jamie has a list on the drum riser with about 40 or 50 songs on it, yeah. and he shouts out whatever song he feels like playing next. I know, we never know what the next song is going to be. So every day we're playing a different set list. So I think about that first show and how nervous I was and, and, and you know, how, how yeah. to a T that the, the set was and everything <laughs> to what we do now, you know, I don't, I don't get nervous or anything. There, there could be 200,000 people out there and I would, it's just like opening up a cage and letting a bull out, you know what I mean? So, um, but thinking back to those times when I joined the band, it was a little nervous. Oh.
When when you were coming from Terror, like how big of the shows were those? Like with Terror? Yeah. Some were pretty big. I mean, like Terror would would do well, and and you know they would go to Europe and draw 500 to 1,000 people on their own. I mean, they have records out and toured all over. It wasn't like it wasn't like there was nobody at the shows, and that's <laughs> really high energy Terror. So, you know, it's it's as far as the club shows, it's almost the same. But you know, it's at that point, you know, Terror hadn't really broke very huge in Europe yet because they'd only been around a few years at that point. Um, and obviously they've been to Australia and South America and all over the world now with that band, and they do very well. And they play a lot of the same festivals we do over there. So, you know, um, that club show that I did um, in Connecticut with Hatebreed, the first show, was comparable to, like, a big terror show in L.A. where they're from. Yeah. You know, but then, you know, the next show I would be in an arena playing <laughs> to people that weren't all Hatebreed fans. They were just there to see corn. So, you know, but that's... Uh, uh, it's it's cool. It's it's all it's all been fun and to complain or, or you know if it ended tomorrow, I always said that I went and saw the world. Uh, I played with some of my favorite bands in the world. And, yeah. Uh, it's it's been a fun ride, but at the same breath, we don't plan on stopping anytime soon. You know, I mean, we've been doing it 22 years. I don't see why we wouldn't do it another 20 years. Right. Right. To kind of close out this interview. Um, what is it, like, you know, maybe besides just the friendship that makes you feel so comfortable in Hebrew? It's just what I do for a living now. I've accepted that this is what I do. You know, when I was a kid and I grew up in the 70s, um, I saw Kiss records and I had, and there was no YouTube and anything like that back then. And I dreamed of that being that, that's what it, I would put on the Kiss records and have like a tennis racket and I would put on <laughs> Kiss concerts for like my family. I was like seven <laughs> years old and like my friend would be playing the drums, he would be Peter Chris and like right. this is the stuff you dream about when you're a kid. But even as I started to get a little bit older into my teens and started getting the heavier music and find like thrash metal and punk rock and hardcore and all that stuff, I even knew then that like playing in a band and making a living out of it was going to be a one in a million thing. Right. And I really was interested in becoming a chef because I spent a lot of time with my grandmother growing up because my parents were always screwed up so I would watch her cook all the time so that's what I wanted to do and get into and I really thought that that's what I would do and then here I am however many years later and um, I'm in the band doing this for a living and I'm, I'm doing all the cooking at home when I'm not at home. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, it, this is what I do. I mean, that's what, that's what makes it comfortable. I'm in a bus with my friends. They, I spend probably more time with them than I do my own family. <laughs> I definitely have since I joined the band. Right. You know, when we first started, uh, when I was in the band, we would, it would be nothing to do 300 shows a year, you know, and you could do the math on that. So it's like, you know, these are my, my guys. So I spend time with these guys I have in the past 11 years and my own family, so... Great, great. All right, man, it's been good talking with you. I appreciate the interview. Thank you. Definitely, definitely. Hope you have a good good uh, rest of the tour, good yeah. uh, set tonight. Yeah, it'll be good. We'll see. I don't, I don't know what Jamie's going to play, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll gauge the crowd and see what they want to hear. Right, maybe, right. Maybe it'll be hate breed by request. We'll see. So. Right, right. <laughs> but thank you. All right, man, it's been yeah. good, good talking with All you. Right. Yep. All right. It was great talking with Frank from Hate Breed. Definitely, you know, I had a lot of great stories to share. I could have talked with him for, shoot, another hour. <laughs> it was great. All right, let's get into a, the next interview. This was another one of those bands where I, I, I just kind of, you know, discovered during my research of, you know, the Warp Tour. Like, there's always that sort of different band 
that's kind of more a poppy, you know, a poppy band that isn't as heavy or pop punk as the other ones. They're just more straight up, like, you know, soulful pop music. And that's what I found with Jewel Vera. So I was able to speak with Jake and Ansley from the band. So uh, let's get to let's get to the interview with Jewel Vera. Good. Good, how are right. you? Cool. Uh, if you can, introduce yourselves. Um, I'm Ansley. I'm Jake. And we're in Julbera. <laughs> cool. This was a band that, like, when I was going through every, you know, going through the Warp Tour lineup, I was just, like, you know, listening to all the bands that I wasn't aware of, and mm-hmm. I came across uh, Julbera, and I was like, yo, this is cool, man. I really like this, you know. Yes. I really, it, um, there's always, like, like, like last year, there's always like that one band where it's like a little different than mm-hmm. everything else. Like yeah. it's a little poppier, a little whatever, but it isn't like out there like mainstream poppyish. And that's what yeah. like your, yours was. Like last year it was like like um, against the current. That was yeah. the one that I like figured out last year. This year it was Jewel Vera, and I was just like so I listened to the uh, the previous album, mm-hmm. and I was like, yo, this is like. This is cool, man. Like I really, lo- I really dig this album. Um, how did how how did this band form? You know, why did this band form? Um, I met Jake at like a garage band camp, and um, he had a band with our bass player Will, and they met um, at school because like somebody was wearing a Ramones shirt, and they were like, "Oh, cool! I like the Ramones." Like, <laughs> so that's how they met, and then um, we started a band, and then. We later met our drummer and our other guitar player, Chase, and we just kind of like all like loved music and loved playing, so we kind of all started playing together. How long did it take for everybody to sort of vibe well to where like, oh, this, we're finally making some cool music? Um, I don't know, what would you? Well, well, Ansley and Will and I, like, we were, we had been together like since that, uh, like garage band camp thing and like stuff like that so we'd been like working together and like writing together for a while and we were like just couldn't like figure out we went through like tons of drummers and like (laughs) other guitar players and stuff and like people you know trying to figure out like who but nobody really wanted to do it with us you know until we found um Kyle and and Chase um and we just met them through a mutual friend so like it, it but like when we found them we knew like we were like wow we Finally, we found the right fit. So, and that was that was about two years ago now. So, how old was everybody when this band started? When you're doing the the garage band camp thing? Um, I met him when I was 13. So that's when like we started playing together. Yeah. But Jewel Vera is four years old. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, going into like the first album, uh, the, the Friendly Enemies album, like you know. What was sort of like the mind state of the band when going through going into that album? You know, what did you want to accomplish on that first uh, album? Uh, yeah, on like Friendly Enemies, we really just wanted to like, get some music out there because like that was our first stuff that we we had done, you know. And like Ansley was fifteen when she recorded most of the vocals for like some of that stuff. And even though it didn't come out um, for a couple years, like it was just like. That was our high school stuff that we were working on and like figuring out how to be a band and like how to record and everything like that and so um, we were really lucky to find a producer that was like willing to work with us and like teach us you know how to do this stuff. Who did you work with on that album? Uh, a guy named Mitch Parks in Atlanta. 
what did, you, what did what did he like sort of bring to the table like during that that time period? Um, a lot. Like he taught us how to like play on a click. Um, like he helped a lot of my like vocal stuff. Like I had never really like sang in chest voice or anything, and he kind of like pushed me to do that. It was like a really he like did a lot like more than he was really supposed to, <laughs> but like we're really thankful that he did because it helped us a ton. Yeah, he like helped us with our live show and like just uh, I don't know he introduced us to everybody like we yeah we wouldn't be anywhere like without him and we like want to we want to battle with the bands as our like first band like our kind of cover band kind of thing that we right. like had written a couple songs and you know stuff um, back in 2011 I guess is when we did this and then we um, played that battle of the bands and then he was one of the judges and he was like yeah, we won that thing, and then he really liked the original song that we played, and was just like, you know, call me if you ever want to make an album, and so we did, and that's how we got hooked up with him. But. What was it that you learned on that first record that you brought into on the second uh, album, uh, Waiting on the Sun? Uh, so, well, I mean, we just, that was just, again, like, how we learn, like, everything, so, like, yeah. we, we just a lot of our like influences and the things that we learned from that, you know, we brought into the new album with like, and then, um, you know, we had, we did it with a frequency, this producer in, in New York, we recorded it all in Brooklyn. And so like he had, you know, more um, like hip hop kind of like, uh, yeah, he did like more pop and like stuff. Snoop Dogg. So he brought like a lot more different stuff than we would do to the table. And it was very, um, like interesting and I think it helped the sound a lot because we wouldn't have thought to do that. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, so it was really cool working with them too. So. Yeah. What, what do you think you were able to accomplish on this new record? Um, on this new one, like sound-wise, we played a lot with like instrumentation. Like they like, I don't know, they did a bunch of like funky stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Just like messing around and like if it sounds cool, like awesome, like put it on. But um, and then, like, lyric-wise, we just kind of wanted to be really, like, honest and real with our lyrics. So we wrote about, like, life experiences that we have been through. Um, we just wanted people to be able to, like, relate to it, um, even if it's not the exact same experience we went through, um, that they're not the only person that is going through something, that they can, like, relate to our music and kind of, like, feel better. Right. What's been the feedback thus far to both of your albums? You know, what sort of like things do you hear from your fans? Um, I mean, yeah. Well, when some person just came up today, uh, a girl, and said that like she'd just been listening to our music and it really helped her like through a lot of stuff, and so like that's always really cool to yeah. hear stuff like that. And it's like that's why we do it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of, like, the songs, a few different songs on our album people have said have really helped them. Like, I know Lifeline and Something Good, I think, are the two main ones that people say, like, make them feel better when they're, like, not feeling awesome. Whatever. So, yeah, that's always really cool. Is, is Warp Tour, like, the first, like, major tour you guys have been on? Um, well, we did Warp Tour in 2015, and that okay. was our first tour. Oh, okay. All and right. then we toured with Against the Current and Never Shot Never and As It Is, and now we're doing Warped Again. Okay. All right. How has been, like, you know, those experiences going on these tours, you know, you, you guys are such, you know, still very young, you know, what yeah. are you guys learning? Um, I mean, you learn a lot when you're on tour. Like, you learn, I think you learn something new every tour, um, but the first one we, like, had to learn it all really fast because, <laughs> like, you can't just, like, 
I don't know. You have to learn fast if it's your first tour, especially on Warped Tour, because it's more of a, like, difficult tour. Like, it's one of the, it's not as easy as, like, some other tours, but... Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. You yeah, know? <laughs> like, they set it up every day. Like, it's crazy. Um, but, yeah, you, I don't know, like, what would you, I mean, there's just, like, some tour etiquette that you, like, learn along the way, like, how to talk to people, and you get better stage-wise and stuff. Like like a uh, like a tour like Warped, uh, it tries to you know they try to say this is something like a very communal effort. Has there been anybody on either of the Warped tours that you've uh, been on, um, you know, bands have been that have been around for a while that's kind of helped you guys out, been very courteous to you guys? Anybody in specific? Yeah, I mean, on um, on last year we made a bunch of friends too, and then this year we've um, like specifically befriended Hands Like Houses and Our Last Night. Um, I Like, what you said about the Warped Tour community is, like, so true. Like, it's got a really good community. Like, everybody talks to each other. Like, nobody's, like, too good for you, you know? Like, <laughs> right. it's it's just really, like, everybody's so cool on the tour. Is there anything you've, you know, you've learned from these other bands while touring uh, that, you know, it's definitely helped out the band itself? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you pick up stuff like stage presence-wise um, or just like little things they do like at merch or something like tip for a poster, like you'll get more tips. <laughs> just like little stuff like that, like you learn from just watching people. If you watch people that are better than you, you'll get better. So you definitely learn a lot on any tour. <laughs> right. What do you think is like the scariest part about being a music artist, being in a band, traveling? What do you think is the scariest part of that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the scariest part of being in a band. Um, I guess or like not making not, it. Not, you know? make, not probably people just, not liking it. <laughs> yeah. I guess, but I mean, there's always going to be people not who don't like it. Right. But you know, like if nobody likes it. <laughs> <so> I mean, <laughs> Has there been any? thing that's happened, anybody you've met, any moment, any event that's happened in the band's history that's that's made it very clear, not even clear, just, you know, an optimism there that, you know, this is something that might be around for a while, this might work for us. Yeah, um, I mean, in 2015, I met Haley Williams at, at the APMAs, and she said she'd heard of us, and I was like, Ooh. what? <laughs> <laughs> How was that encounter? <laughs> It was weird, like, it was backstage, and we were like, hey, wait, wait, and so we, like, we just wanted to meet her, right. and so she, we, she was like, I don't know, I guess we introduced ourselves, she was like, oh, yeah, I've heard of you guys still there, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, like, crazy, because she's been, like, I, I loved Paramore when I was growing up, I mean, I still like them, but, like, I was, like, super fan when I was younger, so it was crazy. <laughs> oh, that is, that's crazy. What's been the most rewarding <laughs> thing about being in this band? Just like getting people that, knowing that people are actually listening to it, people come to the shows and know all the words and like. Yeah, seeing people singing the words in the crowd yeah. is great. And when they say like it helped them through like, you know, a hard time, it's always, that's like why we do it. So that's cool. Great. All right, it's been good talking with you. If anybody wants to find more information about the band, where would they go online? Um, we've got social media is all Jewel Bear Music and our website is jewelvera.com. Yeah. <laughs> sweet, sweet. All right, good luck on the tour. Good luck Thank for your you. set today. It's been great talking with you. Yeah, you too. So that was my interview with Jewel Vera. 
They have a new album out right now. It's called Waiting on the Sun. It's really great. Next up is Tony Foresta, the lead singer from the, from the band Municipal Ways. Now, this was a really fun interview. This was the last interview that I did for the day, and we did it out way out in the parking lots. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of wind, and by that time, you know, he had a few drinks in him. But it was super cool, and he kind of like, I feel like he tied the whole day together for me about what I thought about the the warp tour you know what you know if I was gonna you know write the story of that day he he kind of put a bow in it and kind of wrapped it up in his own weird way so let's get into the interview with uh, Tony Foresta from the band Municipal Waste We left a week early before the tour started. Yeah. Uh, to get out west, it started in Seattle, so uh, it's been pretty wild. Like getting getting to know everybody, and, 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 and there's so many people. I mean, look around here. There's there's like a hundred buses. Our bus number is eighty in the eighties. I'm gonna tell you what our number is. But, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. There's literally hundreds and hundreds of people that are a part of this thing. So it's like it's almost like a traveling circus or some shit. Like, right. Right. Or as other people said in that interview, it's like a like a, a rock summer camp. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> summer camp for weirdos, which I've never, I never went to a summer camp before, so I'm getting all this in. And it's weird, man. It's like we're like hanging out with bands that if I saw their video or something, I'd be like, fuck that band, you know? Like, I don't ever want to, I'll be caught dead in one of their shirts, and now I'm like, you know, those are my homies. Right, <laughs> let's talk about that. Like, um, the Warp Tour always sort of, uh, you know, sort of, values you know camaraderie you know the people from different walks of life coming together having a fun time unity you know kind of talk about that you know meeting all these other bands that in all other walks of life you guys probably are not going to be doing shows with or yeah out with no like for us like i mean we stick out like a sore thumb on this tour like like yeah i mean we're the only might be one of the few like thrash bands that's ever been on this tour you know but like uh we still have a punk side to us, so that kind of like gives us a weird advantage. We also have a, a good sense of humor, so we were able to like, you know, be like, okay, we know you don't understand what's happening right now. This is what we're doing, and enjoy yourself. And right. if not, don't worry, you can go see 400 other bands. But uh, yeah, so like stepping into it, like I mean, I, I'm 41. Uh, the guys in adolescence are way older than me, and there's all there's bands that are way 
younger than us. I've had bands that are way younger than us come up to me and be like, I feel old. I'm like, I don't even know who the fuck half these bands are. I don't like, I don't get this music. Like, there's so, so many weird, like, bass drop and just stuff, music that I just don't understand where I'm like, you damn kids. I never thought I'd be like that. I thought I was pretty hip until I went on this tour. I thought I like, I like collect records. I'm, you know, I get the new records that are out that I think think are good and that right. I like, and I buy. I still support music, that new music, and you know, like, and then I come out here and I'm You're like, like where a total. From? I'm a total dad. I, I have no idea. You're what's like, I'm where like, are what these is... bands come from? Who are these? <laughs> and, and like, like there's bands that have the sea of fans, and you're like, where, where do those people come from? It's like I didn't know bands still ripped off Saves the Day. Like I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> They're like rip off saves the day, but it'll have like a bass drop like in the middle of the song, and then a mosh bar, and then they'll rap at you. You're like, wow, they're mixing everything together. I can't believe this. But uh, like, not not that's like not even dissing like the bands on the tour. It's like there's a lot of there's a lot of good shit. There's shit I've never thought I would like that I'm like digging, you know. And uh, right, of course, there's also the older bands that influenced me. They're out here too, like you know, adolescence. Sick of it all. Speak of the devil. <laughs> yeah, Armand's walking by right now. But yeah, yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's cool to see all that stuff too and be a part of. Yeah, Guar's out this. here too. Of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the 47th time Municipal Oasis tour with Guar. So. <laughs> right. We even know they were on the tour. Like, oh, fuck, Guar's here. Like, shit, I guess we're on tour with Guar again. <laughs> but those are our friends, you know. It's great. That's great too. There's also Valiant Thor. Uh, War on Women, they're from Baltimore, and there's a lot of, like, friendly faces that we've actually traveled with together, toured with, or just fucking know, you know. So, uh, we came into it already pretty comfortable, and now we're, now we're getting our, our wings to where we're starting to, like, mingle around and start fucking around with all the other, you know, I just hugged some Australian guy I met today that was in <laughs> some emo band, I don't even know, but we're, yeah, everybody's like, whatever. Yeah. They're having a good time. It's all know? good, man. It's yeah, it's good. cool. It's a, it's a very eclectic experience. There's a lot to take in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. also lost like 10 pounds from walking every day. Like, <laughs> you just walked 30 minutes to meet me. or was just on the other side of this damn stadium. Right, right. It's a lot of shit, man. A lot of walking. But everybody, everybody's always, uh, you know, excited when, you know, when municipal race is on a uh, is on a bill, man. Yo, people are excited to see you guys. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's because uh, we used to overdo it a lot. We used to do every tour. We toured like, I mean, we were doing 200 shows a year for like eight years or something. And we just kind of did that last record and, and hit the brakes. So I think now everybody kind of misses us and they're right. like, all right, these guys are back. All right, you know, they got we got a new record out. People are actually stoked on the record. And yeah, let's talk about the new record, man. How's the feedback been? I mean, it's way better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Waste has weird fans. Like, um, they're very dedicated, which I love. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the best thing in the world. They're also very opinionated. And they'll like, they'll definitely tell us if we do something that sucks. <laughs> so every album we've had, we usually they're always like, eh, it's not as good as the last record. It's always not as good as the last record. This is the first time I've seen just a genuine, like, full-on positive response. Like this is dope. This is good. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and maybe that's part of the reason why it took so long to do a record last time or this past time because maybe we we're like disenfranchised because everybody is like oh we're not going to please everyone we're never going to please everyone 
reception was like so cool. Like, like going into just, there's a lot the, of love now. Yeah, going into making this uh, this record, you know, what were you guys thinking about? Like when you first started, you know, <laughs> writing stuff. Like what you like, wanted to we do. We gotta with that? get this damn thing done, honestly. <laughs> but but that was that was years ago, and then we we didn't like it, and we we basically trashed the uh, full album. We, we wrote a record, and we we're like, this isn't good. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think our fans deserve a shitty record. I don't want to be one of those bands that puts out shitty records when they get older. I'd rather take time and, and, and do well. Like, I'll just give an example of a band that has nothing to do with metal, but Dillinger 4. They take forever to write an album, but it's always fucking good. And it's worth the wait. And you get it, and you're fucking there, you know? Instead of just, like, doing that, where, like I said, where it's like, oh, we got to get the damn thing done, you know? <laughs> it's like, no, you don't. Don't have to get the damn thing done. You need to put out a good record. You need to write it, write a good record. And, and that's at first, that's how we were thinking. Like, oh, we got to get this done. And we we're like, fuck this. It's not good. <laughs> None of us are gonna settle for a shitty record. You know. Right. Even I mean, even you think it's shitty. At least as long as we're happy with it. Yeah, yeah. Then that's cool with us. You know. And we don't want to let our fans down or anything like that. But but you know, we definitely know if it's gonna suck. Like to us so that's like and that's how it was looking and, and, right. and, and you know like, so we didn't want to do that you know? yeah we, we scrapped it and we took the best elements from that record and then came up with a bunch of other shit got a new guitar player in the mix and uh, started having fun again and that's that's uh, another really important thing that we needed to do how long has the band been around? 15 years alright 15 years yeah so we're doing that we're up on the 10 year anniversary of Art of Partying which is our third record yeah. So we're gonna do uh, Art of Parting show. Okay. We don't know yet when yet, but we'll play the whole album. We did that last year with uh, Hazardous Mutations. Looking back, like to those early years when the band first started, like what sticks out in your mind? Um, a lot of stuff doesn't stick out. There's a lot of <laughs> blurred, blurred memories. <laughs> um, there was definitely a lot of lawlessness and and uh, debauchery and just. Uh, really didn't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't just like, what up? Uh, it wasn't just, uh, like, we just really didn't give a shit. We didn't care if we made money. We didn't give a fuck if we made it to the next show. We canceled shows all the time. We thought it was funny. <laughs> so, oh, we're not going to make it. I'm hungover. Yeah, shit like that. Yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> something changed where, like, once we signed the earache and all, we kind of were like, and Dave joined the band. There was a kind of general consensus where you need to respect your fans because you people actually are your your people actually like your band and, yeah. and are paying money to see your band and buying your records and and that didn't really sink into us until like we you know until like we put out the second record and then was that's that when it all started kind yeah. of like changing and we started realizing that yeah. oh you have to show up on time and you can't like punch a security guard and you can't like you, we can but you, you you're there will be repercussions do you think that second record was around the time when you guys felt like this thing could be something you could do for a long time the second record was was a revenge record the second record was was when everybody gave up on us and, and thought we couldn't really do a record yeah they thought we everyone lost faith in us and kind of like so it's weird because everybody was kind of like, oh, they sold out. They signed a record deal. To us, that was like, 
fuck you, just watch us. <laughs> and it was like, that's my favorite record. I'm very proud of that record because we overcame, we overcame a lot of weird internal struggles and, and just kind of, uh, you know, put our place in, in the scene where we are now. drunk morons we were drunk morons that wrote a good record <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> what, what was sort of the, the feedback of that record that one was good that was that it was slow it was slow because right. uh nobody knew the fuck we were we weren't really touring the way we do now right um and then we what happened was we never did a video we did a video but it was all right and then earache kind of saw the potential and what was happening and then kind of uh was like, like, um, we're gonna reissue the record like six months later, and then they gave us like a big budget for a video. Yeah. And then we did the sadistic magician video, and once that dropped, and then there was like a couple live performances, just people. Like, it was kind of like right YouTube started like yeah yeah things started going viral and shit, and uh, there was like a YouTube video that like exploded the same time as the video. And then it was just this, this snowball of people started being aware, and then we dropped Art of Harding, and that was kind of like how it just kind of crashed in our face. And it was funny, like, that's the whole MySpace era, too. So when we, right. dropped, we dropped our first song of Art of Partying, right when all that shit was going on, and we, would sit, we were sitting in my friend's house in uh, Amsterdam. We were high as shit, too. <laughs> and uh, we would, like refresh the MySpace page and every time we refresh it it was like thousands of listens like and it was such a weird feeling being like this broke kid <laughs> sitting in this like apartment in Amsterdam and literally just like clicking a button and witnessing thousands upon thousands of people listening to your shit like that second right. it was a weird experience like very uh, rewarding and weird for us <laughs> that your your live show and the fact that it like went viral online like uh you know contributed to your success absolutely yeah yeah for sure we're a live band yeah no doubt about it we, we you know we work hard on our music and recording and everything but live it's a totally different ball game and we pride ourselves on that because that's how we started we, we you know right off the bat we got in the band first we were on tour a week after our first show like, you know what I mean? So, like, right. we're just, that's just how we've always been. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, yeah, that's what we were going for. What was everybody doing before, like, this band, you know, started? Oh, man. Um, well, it was different members. Um, it really just depends which era. Me and Witty were, were working at a t-shirt place. Of course, Dave Witty was in a million other bands before Municipal Ways. He was in... Burned by the Sun. Actually, when he joined Municipal Waste, Burned by the Sun was like still pretty prominent. Yeah. And uh, he was kind of doing doing us a favor when he joined the band. But um, yeah, I mean, I was we were screen printing shirts, and uh, Ryan was uh, a cook at a strip club. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, well, what else was Phil doing? I think Phil worked at a sign shop. He was playing in like death metal bands and shit. Yeah, I mean, we were all just, like, local fucking band kids. <laughs> and then shit just started happening. <laughs> local band shitheads. 
working at the screen printing shop. You know, normal shit. <laughs> what, do, what do you think was the first, like, sort of holy shit moment of the band from your perspective? Where it's like, I can't believe, like, this is happening. Uh, probably the same tour. We, we One of the first times we went out to Europe. For me, I think very memorable is we played Bakken and we put up our shirts and by the time we walked back to where the stage was all our shit was sold out like everything we brought in oh okay and we were like what the fuck then we played and it was absolute insanity uh, that was crazy same tour we played in uh, England open for sick of it all in, or in London and there was like 2,000 people there we are just kind of like what the fuck is going on the last time we were in Europe there was like 10 people there <laughs> drummer was so drunk he fell off the drums <laughs> and here we are like there's 2,000 people here I don't know it's humbling and we just never expected it and we would probably still be out here playing house shows you know I, w- I wouldn't be on a tour that's nine weeks long but I would be out here playing house shows <laughs> I, yeah, I thought I definitely wouldn't be in the fucking bandwagon with a, my own bunk to sleep in, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be in a tour bus, you know, yeah. having tour bus. But I love that shit, dude. That's why I do my other band, Iron Reagan, like, because I had that fix, you know? You want to, like, you want to sleep in a van. You want to sleep on floors. That's what I grew up doing. I, I love punk shows. I love playing basements. I love uh, hearing about new bands and making friendships with people that are into the same shit as you. That's why you play music, you know? So you do this big shit, and then you go do your other band, and houses it's, it's all it's great it's a great life how's things going with the other band awesome yeah that, that band's fucking playing Ozfest now, now. <laughs> god damn it I'm just gonna start doing acoustic shows so they know it'll suck everybody knows it'll really suck I play houses for the rest of my life right 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 like, no but yeah uh, it's going really good yeah Ozfest and uh come doing a little a couple short tours and yeah the new Iron Reagan did a record earlier this year it did really well so that's awesome that's yeah awesome. we had a split with Gate Creeper coming out sweet yeah. sweet so yeah we're yeah it's both bands are actually way too busy for me <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you want to get like a fill-in singer was that cool I kind of want to just stay home and watch Netflix for like a couple of weeks <laughs> it's just a lot of shit going on Right, right, right. All right, man. That's about it, man. Thanks for taking the time out to chat. <laughs> Thank with you me. so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Have a great rest of the tour. Yeah, man. thanks for being into the shit, man. I'm glad you know know about the bands and are interested. Okay, the final interview I'm gonna bring to you on this special bonus edition of Fresh is the Word from the Warp Tour is my interview with Kevin and Tom from the Deathcore band Acacia Strain. Now, I definitely, definitely love their new album, which is called Grave Bloom. It came out just probably a month ago via Rise Records. So definitely go in and cop that. Had a definitely had a good uh, talk with the, with the two guys. So uh, let's get into that interview with the Acacia Strain. Hey, how's Warp Tour been uh, thus far for you guys? I'm digging it. It's been hot and exhausting, but these are some of the coolest shows I've ever played. So I'm enjoying it. And then hanging out with my friends the rest of the day and watching their bands, so yeah. do it. <laughs> what were you doing before uh, joining this band? Uh, well, I was for a number of years working at the studio that 
these guys were recording at for a few years, so that's how I like got in with them and became friends with them. I was working for Will Putney as a producer. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then I just decided records weren't like what I wanted to do, so ended up working out where I had left working at the studio the same time they needed a new guitar player, so just kind of worked out. <laughs> How did those initial uh, conversations happen to, uh, you know, rejoin the band? Uh, well, I was texting Devin, other guitar player, and he was the only person, like, in the industry that I had told that I was, like, leaving working the studio, and he yeah. was like, oh, well, that's ironic because Richie just quit three days ago, and you know <laughs> all of our stuff, so you want to play with us? So it just worked out where I was, like, filling in for a little bit, and then after a tour and a half, joined the band, got asked to be full-time. Great. Yeah. How's he been since he joined the band? Is he a troublemaker? It's been absolutely terrible. Awful, man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're going to leave him here. It's a pleasure having Tom and Boy in the band. It's <laughs> great. Camp. What does he bring to the band? Um, very tight. Tight playing live. Yeah. Uh, if something were to happen, like yesterday, something happened with this pedal board, and there were, like these different patches were coming up, and you can see him freaking out over there. But he fixed it quick. Okay. Came back in, like nothing happened. It was great. Uh, but other members of this band, they would have literally just given up and walked <laughs> off the stage because it's happened before. Right, right. Um, but yeah, Tom knows how to deal with his stuff. He knows how to make himself sound good. You know, yeah. oh, uh, that's so nice. You got me cheesing over here. Oh, buddy. <laughs> You know, since he joined the band, you know, um, you know, seems like seems like he has, you know, had this technical nature in his uh, background. You know, is, has that helped any within just the, the the total thing of the band? Um, technical as in how, like the like, like working in studios and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, um, well, yeah. He, like I was saying, he knows how to get stuff done. He knows right. how to <laughs> make himself sound good and do all the little twistings of the knobs and all that all stuff. <laughs> um, he actually can help. Like our, our bass player Griffin, he's also a, an engineer, studio engineer. He has his own studio in Des Moines. Yeah. Um, so he's very well versed in making things sound good. And Devin kind of does have some questions here and there sometimes. And it's nice to have someone like in the band that can help him and <laughs> not have to like go to somebody else. Right. You know? Um, the new, uh, we got a new album out. Uh, what was sort of the, you know, the mood of the band, you know, thought process going into this record about what you wanted to do with it? Uh, we wanted it to be moody and angry and depressing and sad like every other record pretty much but this one more so a little more uh you definitely get more feelings out of this one when you listen to it there's a lot of songs that like take you places like i, I like to say um yeah the whole overall mood is i mean we were home for a long time before we did it uh we wrote some of it on the road too on one of one of the it was it wasn't a terrible tour but it was a very annoying and made it got us a little sad <laughs> wondering why we were still doing this kind of thing um so yeah there's a lot of uh anger depression that goes in that went into that record for sure right how, how do you deal with those times when you're like fuck it that's uh that's quit you just Let's keep go. going you just hope that the next day is going to be better and sometimes they are and sometimes the next day is worse and you're like, you're like son of a bitch um but yeah, yeah honestly you just keep going because you never know what's going to happen. With the way the sort of, you know, music industry is, especially for rock and heavier music, you know, with, you know, how do you sort of, how do you guys feel like you set yourselves apart from other bands when, you know, there's so, you know, you got to do more, you got to tour more, you got to think of different sort of merch ideas, whatnot. How do you feel like you guys, um, um, you know, differentiate yourself from other bands? Honestly, I feel like, like, 
with everything, we always just go with the flow. We never try to focus on something to like change it or make it better. It's just yeah, the way things go, that's just how it goes. Like we never try too hard, I guess. I think from me like starting as the outsider and then joining and like playing with other bands, me like realizing how maybe it sounds bad to say, but like this band doesn't really care about a lot of things. But I think that's like the benefit of it. Like a lot of bands are more focused on like what can we do to like fit this trend or like what can we hop on with this like gimmick. Whereas this band it's like whatever, we're just gonna do what we wanna do and that's I feel like how it always was obviously before me, but now that I'm in it, I can see that firsthand. Like nobody cares. We just want to do what's fun for us and what we're we music. Like. We're gonna go on stage, we're gonna play it, and we're gonna get a, get the hell out of there and let the next band come up and play. Yeah. That's why we're here. We're not here to try to sell something to somebody. We're not up there preaching about anything. It's just play our music, go away. Right, right, right. Yeah, I feel like that's like a more a growing you know trend with a lot of bands is like they're kind of waking up and being like you know. Like, like, fuck these trends or whatever, man. Fuck what everybody else is doing. Let's just do what we want to do and be happy, you know. Do you feel like you guys are just happy with everything that you do? For the most part, yeah. I mean, I, we, won't, we won't just settle on something, that's for sure. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, like, for instance, this last record, I'm very, very happy with how that came out, the way the songs came out, the way they flow and everything like that. So, yeah. I'd say I'm pretty happy with the way things are going at the moment. Right, right. You know, um, with you being in the band, you know, for for a very long time, you know, since you know, the, towards the beginning of it all. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's your, you know, when you look back at that time when the, you know the band was still coming up and everything, what sort of sticks out in your mind? Oh boy. Um, actually, well, now that I've been touring for so long, like going on tour, it's like you know, it's kind of it's like our job now. Yeah, yeah. Back then, it was like no holes barred, free reign, like everybody just fucking off and having fun, doing whatever the hell they wanted, like getting paid a hundred bucks at the end of a tour and you're like, oh my god, I just got paid a hundred dollars after being gone for three months, this is so sick. Um, those times where it's like you get paid gas money from the, the promoter because nobody came to the show, you know, right. like those times, and then you, you didn't, we didn't even care, we are like, fuck it, we're on tour, we're going to go somewhere else now and play in front of nobody in this next city, but who cares? We're having fun. We're traveling around, seeing all this new stuff for the first time. Um, so I definitely, I feel like the that feeling of like discovering everything was is I don't have that anymore. So that's the one thing I miss the most for sure. Right. When did um you know was there a point in, in time of this band where you like maybe an event something that happened somebody you met something that happened where like you realize okay this could be a thing that we could do for a while. Um, I can't pin, I can't pinpoint like a specific time, but there was definitely like a couple tours we did in those early years that were like, you start seeing more and more people like singing along, and you're like, you know, there's spots where it's like Vincent will stop singing and let the crowd do it, and everybody's singing the words, and you're like, you're like, whoa, <laughs> what the hell just happened? Um, and then like I think it was our the first time we ever did a real headliner. And we went into it like, fingers crossed, like, let's hope this works out. And it did. Right. And it was pretty awesome. We all were very proud of ourselves, you know, like, holy shit, like, this could actually keep going. And then down the year, you know, that was what? That was probably 2007 or 8, 
so you know, almost 10 years ago. Right. So we're still here. So. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, you know what did what did, what did you guys do? You know. You know, personally as a band, to sort of break out of like that early locale that you're in, those first you know local cities that you're doing to you know get um, out there and be be something. Our manager at the time, Scott Lee, was definitely the main reason why that happened. He just busted his ass getting us shows everywhere, you know, calling people he knew to get us on tours that were getting booked and all this kind of stuff. So all the credit for that definitely goes to Scott Lee. He's the one that pushed us very, very, very hard in the early years. Who um who produced the new record? Will Putney. Okay, great. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, like everybody says great things about him. You know, oh how, yeah. How was it working with him? Oh, it's awesome. Very easy, especially when, like if when Tom was working there, it's you know it's a, it's a good environment to go to, to go to. It's just got that vibe where you just want to just play music all day. Right. You know what did he bring to the table to you know get the best out of you guys for this record? Um. For me personally, uh, there was just like a lot of times where I would like do a take and he'd be like, you could definitely do way better than that in this one. So I'll do another take and be like, all right, that was good, but this one thing you did, how about you try doing it the same way you did it the first time, but just do it better. <laughs> like, just, okay. <laughs> but I mean, that's how you get the best performances out, you know? You just gotta, I mean, like for instance, like when the first record I did with the band Deadwalk, like with Adam D, like... He was definitely, I think, the most fun person to work with because yeah. he would joke about how you didn't do it very well. Because <laughs> you like, because the way the, the room was, I'd be playing and there was a window set off to the side. Right. And where his desk was, you couldn't see him, but he would have to like lean back in his chair. And I would do a whole take, and I think I nailed it. Do a whole song, feel like I was like that was the one. And you just hears him at the button for turn his mic on, like um, nope. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? No. He's like, do it again, and you just, you just instantly hit the space bar, and the click track would start going. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> and just like, just keep going, keep going till you get it just, you know, perfect. Was was that the first time you guys worked with Will for an album? No, uh, we did uh, our above and below, uh, two inch. song seven inch. Okay. With Will, that was the first thing. That was actually, that was the first thing I ever worked on there. So that okay. was yeah, pretty cool. Edited my drums, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tom, or yeah, first time was Above and Below, and then Coma Witch, and then we did that Depression Sessions split with Byers Murder and Pit for an Autopsy. Okay. Will did that also, and then now, um, Great Blue. All right. Uh, you know, when you go to, when you go from, you know, project to project to project, you know, you know, what is it that you're still learning? You know, what did you learn on this new album? You know, working with Will, you know, having a new member in the band, you know, what do you think the band learned during this time around? Um, well, I think for this record, like, I, don't, I wouldn't say we rushed the writing process, but there was a, not much time to write the record. So I think from this one, like, there's already been, like, not full songs, but, like, a bunch of riffs already, like, written for, you know, a new record that will probably come out, like, in a couple years or something like that. But right. definitely not going to just, like, wait, you know, three months before we're supposed to go in the studio and be like, all right, guys, we have ten songs to write, let's go. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely, we're definitely going to not take our time, but pace ourselves the proper way, get songs done that way. Right. And then we'll have more time to work on them, too, because there's times, like, there's songs on Great Bloom that I listen to, and I'm like, damn, I could have, if we just took a little more time on that, I could have thought of something else to do there, or, like, we could have added something or taken something away, or, you know. 
That, that happens with every record, though. What do you guys do uh, to pass time by when you're on tour? <laughs> Sit at our trailer underneath a tent on our phones, talking to only us. <laughs> <laughs> just texting each other. Like, Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, we just sit up back our trailer, listen to music. Me and Griffin have beers. They just sit there and drink polar seltzer all night. <laughs> yeah. We hang out with, like, the same three bands every day, pretty much. It's pretty much, like, Cage of Strain, Counterparts, Knock Loose, Silent Planet, and Fit for a King. It's just, like, always at our trailer, just hanging around, sitting there quietly speaking <laughs> trying to relax and be away from loud all day <laughs> right 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 <laughs> oh what kind of music do you listen to when you're just like chilling um lately i've been uh, like me and vincent especially have been on a huge super tramp kick okay <laughs> like that record breakfast in america okay. that's like my nightly going to sleep record okay. um <laughs> The new Lord record's pretty sweet. That's, yeah, that's a jam for sure. Um, Paramore. New Paramore is <laughs> just so good. Yeah. So good. Catch uh, myself always doing October Rust, Typo Negative. That's, like, always a go-to for me, no matter what. If, even if I'm, like, sick of hearing metal all day, I'm just, like, <laughs> I can still listen to this album every day. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. What's, uh, what's next for the band, you know, after all this touring? Where are you guys going next? Uh, I can't talk about stuff like that just yet. <laughs> Still in the work, so. Still classified. Yeah. yeah. Classified information. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be cool, though. Whenever, whenever we can talk about it, it'll be cool. All right, great. It's been uh, talking. Uh, it's been great talking with you guys. Um, you know, if anybody wants to find out where more information about you guys, where can they find that stuff online? Uh, our Facebook is definitely the best place. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. It's been good, to good talking with you guys. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you. Paul. Thanks. Thank you. So that was my interview with Kevin and Tom from the Acacia Strain. It was awesome to speak with them. So that's about it for this super special Warp Tour bonus episode of Fresh is the Word. Uh, there's two more interviews that I didn't include in this episode. One is with Carly Coma from the band Candiria, and the other is with Layla Khan from the band Sonic Boom 6. I wanted to leave those ones out of this episode and do standalone episodes of Fresh is the Word with them because those two interviews were really good for their own obvious reasons. I, I've already interviewed Carly Coma before for this podcast, and we talked a lot about MMA. Guess what? Guess what we did this time at the Warp Tour? We talked about MMA. So I definitely want to uh, just kind of put that one to the side and uh, drop that as an episode on, on its own. And then Layla Khan, the lead vocalist, rapper, whatever, from Sonic Boom 6, she was the most delightful person I've, one of, I've ever interviewed. And we, we got, actually got into a lot of really, really dope, meaningful conversations, like about topics and stuff like that during our interview. Uh, and, it, you know, went, it went pretty long, you know, you know, she gave me a lot of time, uh, the Warp Tour, to talk with her about things. So I, w I wanted that to kind of be on its own, in its own episode. Uh, cause I, and plus, I really like the band, so I really want to highlight that, you know, that band, that episode, her, on its own, in its own episode, because it was, it was so perfect. And now me and her are friends, friends, we're buds. She, dude, she has just like 
like the warmest heart. She's just a delight. I, I'm gonna I'm just gushing over her right now. Oh my god. Okay. Never mind. All right, cool. So thanks for listening to this special, super special bonus episode of Fresh of the Word with my coverage from the Warp Tour. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.